Welcome back. Across the Cavs is here. Zach Weiss. NBA Finals Game 3 coming up. It's a preview. We say thank you, Delhi. We say hello, NBA Finals. We introduce Noah Nightingale. Tell me preview the last two games on my other podcast. We're on Cavs time, baby. Let's go. NBA Finals are no joke. This is where we separate the real from the fake. So, get some skin in the game with DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. They're offering free-to-play pools every day of the NBA Finals, offering players a free shot at up to $10,000 each day a game is played. And guess what? The best part is that it's free-to-play. It's easy to enter DraftKings free-to-play pools. Just download the DraftKings app. Go to Pools. And choose from a wide variety of free contests for an opportunity to win cash prizes. Questions will range from which team will hit the most threes to which team will score first. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable so you can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. So, ahead of Game 3 of the NBA Finals, download the top rated DraftKings app and use promo code TBPM when you sign up to get your free shot at up to $10,000 in total prizes every day there is a game. Head to DraftKings Pools page to get your shot at huge cash prizes. That's promo code TBPN for a limited time only at DraftKings. Ladies and gentlemen, good evening. It is Saturday night. It is July 10th. It is 2021. This is, as you heard on the intro, Across the Cavs. Where has Zach been? Where have the new episodes been? They're right here. Not sure what you're asking for because they're right here. NBA Finals Game Three coming up. I've been you doing Sportitude for the NBA Finals, but you know what? It just ain't the same. It doesn't hit the same as across the Cavs. So I will be introducing Noah in a couple of minutes. Noah Nightingale will be joining me. If you're wondering who he is, he knows everything you can ever wish to know about sports for a 20-something year old. He is exactly what I wish I was for everything besides basketball. Again, we'll get to that. He will be joining us shortly. However. You all know who my favorite player is. I made it very clear the first time I recorded on October 22nd, 2019. That's a lot of months ago. Yeah. Matthew Dellavedova, undrafted, out of St. Mary's. Won my heart over as a Cavs fan pretty quickly. I don't know anyone else personally in America that's had the Deli ones. I never met a Cavs fan that bought a Dellavedova Bucks jersey. I've never seen another Idenova till it's Dellavedova shirt from 1999 on Redbubble as I had myself. He's been my guy, you know, and I remember when he signed with the Bucks, four-year, $38 million offer sheet, and I was happy for him. I was also sad because I knew his Cavs time would end. I remember where I was announcing college basketball in New York City on December 8th, 2018, when the news broke that he was coming back. George Hill was off to Milwaukee, and some way, somehow, the Cavs front office swung a deal to bring Matthew Delvadova back. I don't know how they did it. I really don't. But they did. My heart was full in that moment. Yes, you usually save that for when you meet a significant other and you just know. But I'm talking about this as my favorite basketball player coming back to my favorite team. And it really was a special moment because I knew I pulled the jersey out of the closet. It's everything's the same, even with the new jersey number. I knew the floater was back. The lobs are back. The leadership was back. It was an awful season that year. But 1963 it was terrible. Watching Delhi put up double-doubles, got in with some wins as he did the following year as well. I mean, it was great. I couldn't have asked for more. It didn't work out with the Bucks, but 
getting him back was exceptional. Love Matthew Dellavedova. Always have, always will. And now you're wondering, Zach, why? What is this? This sounds like a eulogy. It sounds like no, Delhi's fine. He's 30 years old. He'll turn 31 five days before I turn 26 on September 8th. One of my favorite days for birthdays because I rock Delhi gear every year. He signed with Melbourne United in the NBL. Yeah, and any Australian listeners? I know there's a few. Uh, that accent was terrible. Please roast me in the comments. But he's just, uh, it's sad, but I'm happy for him because he's back. He's healthy again. He'll be playing in the Olympics. I'm really hoping they can medal. This time they were so close in 2016 to possibly getting gold. They just fell short in that uh, semifinal. They they had a great run. And the one they call Outback Jesus is now going back to the Outback. Avocado toast every morning. Might not even be his. Might be having the neighbors because everybody has it over there. You know, a lot of marmalade coming out. Uh, Marmite. Marmite, actually. Excuse me. Yeah, you know, he'll be putting that all over the, the avocado toast. But salute. Good luck. Not sure what the NBA future holds. Again, he's not too old. He's 30. He's going to be 31. Been a pleasure having you in Cleveland for a second time. All in all, he's played 321 games with the Cavs. Only 36 starts. Seems low, but five points, three assists, some 2010 games, a ring. The man does it all. So to the one we call Matthew, salute, adios, and go dominate the Olympics and the NBL. You already know I'll be setting my alarm for whatever time Australia is playing. Every single game. Yes, I realize it is my duty as a basketball fan to watch my actual country, the United States of America, play, and I will. I don't know why Kevin Love is there, though. And when it comes to this, though, Delhi's my priority. Shout out to him, the man, the myth, the legend, you know, salute. End of an era. On that note, bringing in today's guest. We're talking about the NBA Finals on Sportitude for the last week. Doing an individual preview for every game, which has now been transferred over to Across the Cavs. You better hope for seven games, guys, because if not, you only get one more preview show with the duo you're about to hear together for the first time. But without further ado, he lives over the border in Canada. He is a Celtics fan. He does enjoy the Raptors, and it's all about Duke. So there's a little representation out there. Trayvon Duvall played three games with the Bucs, to anyone that did not know that, and he just did not make it in the NBA. But on the Trayvon Duvall note, we introduce Noah Nightingale. Welcome. Hello, hello, hello. I believe this is my official debut on Across the Cavs. So I am very, very happy to be here. I know, as you mentioned before, I am a diehard Celtics fan, but I hope all you Cavs fans can put basketball fandom aside and accept me for who I am love basketball and I'm very happy to be here yeah and guys Noah is 2-0 with his NBA finals picks I'm 0-2 do the math who did I pick who did he pick yep that's right I picked him a while yes sir Noah picked the Phoenix Suns and we're gonna get into it in a moment I just want to say this I was at the uh, basketball hall of fame in Springfield today and a You know, you make small talk with people when you walk by because that's what you do. Everyone's there to see the same stuff. And a kid came up to me with a Bucks poster after I'd mentioned that he was getting one. He's like, yeah, this is $7. I joked and said, hey, does this mean the series is going seven? He said, nope, probably not. But the guy he was with said, yeah, Suns in seven. Regardless, that means seven games. I'll take that. I will take that. $7 for the team penance to put over your bed. $7 for seven games. $1 a game. Boom, bang, bomb. There were no Buck socks, by the way. Sorry to say, but no Sun socks either. 
Cavs and Warriors are still dominating the merchandise because everyone wants to see 2014 to 2018 relived. I mean, I guess I do too if we skip uh, 2015, 17, and 18 and we just use 2016. But anyway, Noah, we had a game two. The Suns scored the exact same number of points as they did in game one, and they are halfway home to their first ever title. Yes, sir. And I would love to take this opportunity to apologize to one man. And I think you know where I'm going with this. This man is a two-time Defense Player of the Year. This man also happens to be a two-time Most Valuable Player of the Year. Yes, I am talking about Giannis Attentacupo. Now, why am I apologizing to him? The reason is, is because I stated many times before preview of game one, after game one, preview of game two, and now here I am after game two. I truly believed, even with his knee injury, that Giannis would be somewhat limited, at least in the half-court set on offense, just because we all know, not a strong shooter. And with the knee injury, I just really question his explosiveness, his athleticism. But, oh, my God, let's put away the Suns for a second, and let's just talk about Giannis Antetokounmpo and what he did in that game, specifically in the third quarter. That truly was one of the best performances I have ever seen in a very, very long time. And you also have to factor in the knee injury that is sustained so early. So, I mean, so, like so recently. And these injuries that take out so many players for so long. And here he is scoring, what was it, 42 points, 12 four. rebounds, four assists. Like, what? Are you insane? Yeah, he's, he is, truly is a Greek freak. But the problem is, who else is going to give anything for Milwaukee? And that is the big question going into game three. Now, the two names that come off the top of my head that I'm sure everyone will agree with, the two big names that need to step up for Milwaukee are Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday. These guys are struggling. They're not shooting the ball well. They're not shooting it confidently. They're making bad mistakes. It's just not going well for them. Now, after game one, I begged and begged and begged for Drew Holiday to be more aggressive. Look for his shot. Attack the rim. And he did that. Game two, he did that, especially in the first half. And I thought that a lot of the, his looks were pretty good. But he was just missing bunnies. And that cannot happen given how well Phoenix is playing offensively. They need Drew to play at a high level. They need him to hit more shots. Chris Middleton is also struggling, but I think Chris Middleton is being like absolutely swarmed by Phoenix and they need something other than Giannis because clearly, I mean, Giannis can go for 50 next game. He may even go for 60 next game. And if you're not getting much from Middleton or Drew Holiday, given how well Phoenix is playing, is that really enough? The answer is no. It almost seems like it got to a point in the second half where Phoenix was like, listen, Giannis can do whatever he wants. If he's going to hit these two dribble, turn around, step back, mid-range jump shots that he doesn't really hit that often, but if he's going to hit them like that, there's no stopping. As long as we can stick with the Milwaukee shooters, not give anyone open looks, don't overplay on anyone, stay with Middleton, keep Drew Holiday locked down, they'll be fine. Because the way Phoenix was shooting the ball, especially – I mean, in the first quarter, they hit eight threes. And then I think they finished the game 20 of 40, which yep. 20 threes is the third most made threes in a finals game in the history of the league. So, yeah, Phoenix is totally okay with it. 
and Devin Booker and Chris Paul have been absolutely dominating. I think Phoenix had 21 made field goals in the second half and 18 of those made field goals were either scored or assisted by Booker and Chris Paul. By far the two best players in this series, Milwaukee is desperate, absolutely desperate for one of Middleton or Drew Holiday or heck, maybe even both of them. They need both those guys to start getting going. Or this may be a very quick series may end in two in two more games if, if those guys can't keep going. So I if those guys can't get going. So listen, I, I know I picked Phoenix the first two games. I really want to pick Milwaukee. I just don't know. Wait, hold on, hold on. Happen. We're not there yet. We're not there just yet. I know, I know. I, I don't want to jump the gun too quickly. Okay. Because we will talk about that later. But it's just it's basically long story short, it's not looking good for Milwaukee. It, it really is not. You could say that, and then I come in with my, uh, to quote Ernie Johnson, my Nito stat of the night. That's probably trademarked, so I'll just call it my stat of the evening. There you go. Uh, the Bucks are seven and one at home in the playoffs. The one loss was to Atlanta, so there is. That's the only saving grace I have left for once we start picking games for t- or the picking the winner of this game. Bucks are seven and one in Milwaukee. You have the great crowd inside. You have the great crowd outside who can finally enjoy a local game again. I just want to point to one thing and then we'll move to game two, the minutes. This was the first time all postseason that all five Sun starters logged north of 37 minutes. Crowder and Bridges each at 37 flat. Paul 41. His sat the five minutes in the first quarter. He sat three minutes in the second half. That was it. DeAndre Ayton, 42 minutes, Booker 44. The, when Ayton was out, Kaminsky got a minute. Crowder got the other four on the court, and that was in the first half. So everyone stepped up their minutes. The one time Ayton has an off game, he still manages four offensive rebounds, 11 total, four assists, three steals, and two blocks. Incredible. The foul numbers were very different. Bucks won the free throw game. And my, my bold take uh, to those that uh, – did not listen to Sportitude the last time. I have Jeff Teague logging more minutes than both Forbes and Portis. He played more than both of them combined for whatever that was, that's worth. Not that he did much, but he did. So that did come to fruition. The Bucks have some work to do. Holiday, Middleton, 12 of 37. This reminds me of rookie Durant in his first couple of games where he's just trying to feel out the league. And he's just jacking up everything, seeing what will go in. Holiday was literally jacking. I didn't think jacking up layups was possible until I watched game two of the finals. Uh, that's exactly what happened. Middleton was just bad, but he did have eight assists. It doesn't make up for him being bad. Like I talked about holidays assists in game one, Giannis had 42. So pardon my correction for, uh, in- incorrectly mentioning the total 42 and 12. He had three blocks. He was incredible. Even shot 11 of 18 at the line, which given the circumstances of his shooting, that's not bad at all. 61% on a high level of attempts. So Noah, we're going to start as we always do. We're going to spend the next 15 minutes to wrap up the show on game three itself. Yo, I'm going to go first and pass to you this time. Over-under is 222. First two games, we saw 223 and 226. So, I mean, they, they were pretty steady in those two games in Phoenix. In this instance, I am, again, going to go over. The Suns will score a lot, but I don't see 118 being the number. The Bucs, I think, will have their highest scoring game of the series as well. They play well on their home court, so I see their offense uh, finally coming to play. And I think that Bobby Portis will probably not play at all. I think they're just going to go away from it and keep Lopez and Giannis as the only two quote-unquote bigs. 
And I think the floor will be even more open. I think they'll have a quicker unit with Teague and Connaughton being the main bench guys. So more points both ways. Interesting. I like that. I, I do like that. I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to say definitely the over is going to happen. I think Phoenix is still going to stay hot from uh, the three-point range. I don't think they're going to go 20 or 40 again, but they're definitely still going to make an impact uh, beyond the arc. I do believe, this is my bold prediction here, okay. the leading scorer in game three is going to be Chris Middleton. Okay. I think enough is enough. This is an absolute stud. And me being a Celtics fan, I still haven't seen Chris Middleton ever miss a shot. I know I've been watching both games in the series, <laughs> but I'll still say it. I've never seen Chris Middleton miss a shot. I think they, they need to get him going. And he is being swarmed out there. Milwaukee has to make an emphasis. You clearly saw it was an emphasis for Milwaukee to try to get Drew Holiday going in game two. And I thought a lot of his looks were pretty solid in the first half. They just weren't falling. I think they need to do the same thing they, with Chris Middleton. I think they need to get him going, get him some good shots, because we all know when Chris Middleton starts knocking down shots, it's game over. And they are desperate for another scorer on top of Giannis. So I think Middleton goes hot. I think overall Milwaukee starts knocking down more threes. So I think this is going to be a pretty high-scoring game. But my bold, bold prediction is going to be Chris Middleton finally goes crazy in this series, and I think he leads the game in scoring. Yeah, I'd be very happy to see that. You know, he is basically, you know, he, his performance dictates the team's level of effort when he's not shooting well. In a lot of cases, they lose. And Giannis did pick it up, but Middleton, 5 for 16, was never really locked in. It killed them. I mean, absolutely. the thing is, and I was talking to uh, the people I was watching the game with in game three, you watch Chris Middleton and his game, he really has three moves. That's it. Move number one, he is going to, crossover into a little step back that's moving number one move number two and that's how chris paul picked his pocket late in game two he read it he read one of those three moves number two is literally just a catch and shoot and number three is where he'll likely go to a post up and hit shoot for mid-range it's mostly jumpers with him and i'm fine with that but you, his game is very basic the one thing about the bucks about drew about Giannis, and about middleton they don't have quote unquote bags Devin Booker has himself a bag. He has a step back. He knows how to create. Chris Paul has a bag in the mid-range. And even Mikhail Bridges' bag is a corner three. Here's the issue with the Bucs. And then I will pass to you, and you can talk some thoughts on the game. P.J. Tucker has done a really nice job, surprisingly well, of scoring early. Put up seven in the first quarter of game one. The issue is he didn't shoot at all after that quarter. So no points after the first quarter. His impact can't only be felt on one side of the ball. Because of the way the Bucks run, everyone on the court needs to be contributing to the offense in some way. And P.J. Tucker is only doing that with screens. That's not enough. He's too small to do pick and roll because he's not going to have any space if he rolls. He's only going to shoot a three from the corner. I think it's like 0 for 4 or 5 outside corner threes. You know, and I think that they got to figure that out. They got to get a pick and roll game of some kind because the Suns are crushing them with it at times. And if they can't figure it out, well, it doesn't matter where the game is. That might be uh, doomed by itself. So here's what I'll say. I'll say this. I think a big issue and the reason or a big reason why Phoenix were able to get so many open looks in game two is because Chris Paul and Devin Booker caused so many issues 
and they're really tough to stop one-on-one. So I think Milwaukee is very, and I don't blame them, but they tend to maybe overplay a bit. And the one thing, or one of the many things that Chris Paul and Devin Booker do very well, they move the ball. They pass the rock. They have made some really, really nice passes. Not only nice passes, but passes to get guys and open looks. So Milwaukee is going to struggle defensively. I just think this is a really tough matchup for them, and I'll, I'll give them credit. I think their pick-and-roll defense was a lot better in game two. You sort of saw that instead of just having the switch and the small guy staying with Aiden, they sort of doubled the ball handler and somehow were able to get a quick switch. Brooke Lopez was pretty good at switching back around Aiden uh, before any anything serious happened. But I think in terms of Milwaukee, it's, it's pretty obvious, and I've already said this before, they just they need to get someone else open. They need to get someone cooking. Chris Middleton, I know you said he doesn't have a bag, and I will agree with you. He does not have a bag. But I've never seen – there are very few players in the NBA who can shoot over defenders as well and as easily as Chris Middleton. It's absolutely crazy. The guy can be contested, and he can shoot right over the guy, and it's going in. It's absolutely wild. He definitely needs to, 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 to change up something there. But overall – you have to, I mean, whether it's getting him going, uh, I don't, I don't know what like his first few attempts are. I feel like they're always just like mid range shots. I think you're right. Maybe get Middleton going inside the paint a bit. I don't, I, I I'm that. not sure. Right. Like they need to do something. And I, I don't want to take credit away from Brooke Lopez or Pat Connaughton and Connaughton had a pretty solid game too, but those two guys, Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton, they are the X factors and off offensively, whether it's hitting you down, knocking down your threes, whether it's making the right pass, whether it's getting out in transition a lot more, anything, anything. Because game two in the second half, it was give the ball to Giannis, watch him do something absolutely insane. The ball goes in the net, you come back down uh, on defense, and you give up a three-pointer. That was literally the second half in a nutshell. So if Milwaukee is going, is, is, is going to continue to struggle to contain Phoenix – and they're shooting, and they're backcourt, then they need to go – I mean, can they go shot for shot with Phoenix? The answer is no. But they can definitely win the game in a lot other ways, and that's just getting Chris Middleton or Drew Holiday or both. They have to get something going. So I think in game three, you saw a lot how they got Drew Holiday going. I don't think Giannis is going to take over like he did in the second half right out the bat. I think you're going to have to try to get one of your two stars going. And again, let's like I said, getting driving to the net, pick and roll, something like you said, anything because it all it all it takes two two straight makes in a row for any of those guys, and you got something going there. And all of a sudden, you're going to start feeling a lot better. And I think Phoenix's defense is going to start opening up a lot more, where they may let Giannis do whatever they want and stay with the shooters. But if you got another guy shooting the ball really well for on Milwaukee, then all of a sudden Phoenix can't really do what they're doing they can't just sit back and watch and say hey we'll just let him do one-on-one we'll just let him take us one-on-one and try to get uh, a three-pointer in the next possession they won't be able to do that if you have Giannis and someone else getting going so to me it's it's as simple as Bud's got to get something out of uh, out of Middleton or Holiday and especially on the offensive end because Drew Holiday I mean some of the defensive plays that Drew Holiday made in game two were absolutely phenomenal I mean, that block that he had on, uh, I believe it was DeAndre Aiden. Uh, yeah, correct me if I'm wrong. That is correct. I, absolutely phenomenal. I mean, Aiden kind of fumbled it a bit there, but it's just 
like, whoo, sorry, Cavs fans, but this reminded me exactly like Marcus Smart. I'm sorry, I won't try to bring up too much Celtic stuff ever again. But that reminded me a lot like Marcus Smart just going up there and blocking a seven-footer. Like, how did you do that? You are a guard. But well, hey, LeBron James block went up and blocked Yao Ming before, so hey, it's all it's all relative. I can I can counter, so it's all good. That's fair. So did Nate Robinson, I'm pretty sure. That's right. right. I was going to go there next. I just know Nate yeah. Nate Nate donned half the uniforms, but Cleveland was never one of them. So yeah, there's wow, that's crazy. But yeah, that's it's 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 as simple as get your other star going. Because if they can't do it, I mean, it's I just don't see Milwaukee being able to slow down Phoenix. Although I will say Devin Booker hasn't really been shooting that efficiently. He's still making really timely uh, shots and making great passes. I feel like Devin Booker is going to have a slightly worse game in game three. I feel like Milwaukee can really frustrate him. And I mean, the way Chris Paul's playing, I mean, holy God, he's he's yeah. he's absolutely balling Holy point out. God. Holy point God. Absolutely. But that, that's all I really have to say. Get one of your guys going, and I think Milwaukee's got a chance. Yeah, and one quick question, oh, then I'll give some, uh, some analysis. Is it just me, or did Pat Constant seem to have two different shooting strokes over the course of game two? Because I swear, on some of them he was going higher, and on some of them he had the ball closer to his hip on release. Is it, is it just me, or did you notice that too? I, I can't say I noticed that, but... You know, I, I'm not sure what his shooting splits were in the first half and the second half. Maybe. No, it was throughout. It was throughout. Both it was throughout. throughout. You know what? Yeah. Did, did not notice that. Maybe okay. I'll take a look for next time. But, like, Connaughton was, was actually probably the second best player on Milwaukee. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know if you'll agree, but it, it, I do he agree. made some big plays. He made some big plays. So, good for him. Boston area, too. And the issue is, in the, in the in modern game, you can't, no one can play 48 minutes. The one buck with a positive net rating was the Greek freak, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Summer League Cavs legend for three games in 07, P.J. Tucker doesn't shoot the ball after the first half at all. <laughs> he didn't shoot it once. And, yes, I, I'm still trying to find pictures of that, guys, so don't worry. Every day I tweet out about P.J. Tucker's Summer League. And for when there's 17 days till Evan Mobley comes to town, which we'll get to in another episode, Ooh. I will try and find the PJ Tucker Cavs picture. I don't even know if he wore 17 or what his deal was. But anyway, getting back to this, Giannis was plus three. He played 40 minutes. He had 42 points. He had four assists. That's over 50 points created just by him. He made a three. He was hitting mid-range shots as if he's been doing it his whole life, which he's only been, he, remember, he's only been playing basketball maybe 10 years now. Mm -hmm. um i mean he was off off the walls awesome but some of my predictions were about chris paul taking a step back he shot 50 percent. he had eight assists did have six turnovers i credit the bucks defense for that but he had 23 points he shot it effectively mikhail bridges hit all his free throws cameron johnson who was the only reserve to log more than nine minutes and 48 seconds for the suns hit some big shots even though he only had eight total points they were timely just like Torrey Craig shots, just like the one basket for Cameron Payne. It's all about when you get it. Even Jay Crowder went from zero point or zero field goals to 11 and 10 in 37 good minutes. No, the only some of the negative net rating was Abdel Nader and he played garbage time only. Even Frank the Tank was positive in less than a minute. At the end of the day, what are your role players going to do for you? If it's your the Phoenix Suns, they're going to combine to score 38 points and grab 17 rebounds. That's Bridges and Crowder combined. Yes, they literally did that. While DeAndre Ayton had just 10 and 11, he had five combined blocks and steals. He dished out four assists. The Suns just dropped dimes. And look, Monty Williams' reputation pre-Phoenix was 
He's a smart basketball mind. He is a good leader, but he is not a winner. Clearly, one of two, two things happened to get Phoenix here. Two, no disrespect to anyone else. And I know there's a lot that's happened. Number one, you trade for Chris Paul. Get yourself a point guard that makes everybody better, that makes them confident, that bonds the team with one common goal. Let this be the year. I've been around all the time. I can't do it. But I believe that this is the group that I can do it with. Boom. They're two wins away. Number two, I mean, it's Monty himself. Better than Igor Kokoskov, better than Earl Watson, way better than Jay Triano, who did uh, <laughs> instill the value originally with Tyson Chandler. They have just been just unbelievable. And I, I have, for the most part, rooted against them in the playoffs. That's just me rooting against the favored team. That's how I've always operated as a, as a playoff fan. So, you know, it's been fun to watch. They have just, they have made me slap the couch so many times. I'm not a throw the remote at the TV guy. I'm not a smash the wall. I'm a smash the couch and take three quick laps because I, a, it's just a game that we love, which we do have to talk about. And B I ain't trying to turn into Amari after the play after game three and what 20, 2011. That's not going to be me. I value these hands. I hoop with these hands. I write articles with these hands and I talk with them. So I need them. So no, just, we're just going to smash that. We're going to smack a cushioned couch. No, I'm sure you agree with that. Unless maybe you've had an episode where no, I, it's I'm smiling and it, it, it makes me realize why we're related. Cause I'm the exact same person. I smack the couch. Oh, I smack it. And after watching the Celtics all year, Oh, I, there are definitely a few hand marks on my couch right now. But all right. I'm going to make my pick. All you make your pick. We will, then we will say good night until Tuesday. So first off, to everyone that's listened so far, thank you. You get the payoff of hearing our picks about, what, 25 minutes in. I'm going to go first. I've already said this twice, and here's the deal. If I'm wrong with this one, I am changing my pick to the other side for game four because I truly believe that at 03, there's going to be no fight left. And it's just going to be, at least you try. Bart Simpson, throw the cake in the trash. Except it's not getting thrown in the trash. This cake is getting thrown off a building and it's going to land safely where it's going to stay until next season. And maybe you'll cut it once you get to the finals again. I am taking the bucks. They're minus four, by the way. So when you're picking for spread, no, it's bucks minus four. That's because they're home. They're seven and one at home. The Hawks beat them there in game one. Trey scored 49 in games where opponent opposing players score 49 points in Milwaukee, in Milwaukee, the bucks are 0 and one. When they score 49 points outside of Milwaukee, I believe they are 1-0, KD, Game 7. Might be missing a game. I might have won the 49 game, actually. Forget that stat. All that matters is when Trey <laughs> Young scores 49 in Milwaukee or 48, they lose. He's not here. He's not walking through. Booker might score 40. He might. I just think Middleton and Holiday are not going to shoot that poorly again. And if they do... I don't condone this, but they're going to be in, they're going to be in trade rumors. It's going to be just like Bradley Beal over there in DC, except there's no Giannis in DC. It's like, okay, he did everything he could. Now he's struggling. He's not getting help. Yada, yada. Middleton and Holiday don't deliver. They're going to be in trade rumors, which is very stupid because they should not be. Bucks are going to have DiVincenzo back and they're going to flow better when next season begins. Hopefully he's there for the start. And, you know, they could use Dante. He'd be playing a huge role. That would allow you to bring P.J. Tucker off the bench to play 25 minutes instead of starting him. And he'd be good in that role. But I'm taking the Bucks. Giannis will have a good game. I just think the Suns are going to get outshot like they did in game one. And it's actually going to make a difference. Because you know why? The Bucs are going to remember how to rebound. 
Torian Prince, current Cav. You go up. Shot is up. You go up with two hands. You take those two hands. Put them on the ball. Take the ball. Land. They call that a rebound. Yale had more of those than us, Baylor. <laughs> Grab the ball. Rebound. No more second chances. Because you eliminate second chances, you actually win game two. Because every time they miss, where's the ball going? Oh, yeah. It's a tether ball. Right back to you. So I am taking the Bucks for the concrete reasons of their big three outplaying the Suns dynamic duo. Sorry, Chris Paul, but not really. It's going to be 2-1. Summer League legend P.J. Tucker gets a dub in the finals for the first time. Noah? In that Milwaukee. The first... Yeah, there you go. There is a first for everything. I agree with you. Yes. I am taking the Bucks. I think the Bucks cover, although there's, like, something telling me that, like, all of a sudden it's going to be a three-point win. But okay. I'm going I'm, I'm to say the Bucks win. And I think they do cover minus four. Um, again, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to double down my point. Chris Middleton will lead the game in scoring. Maybe I'll even go a little bold. Someone like 37 points maybe, like that crazy. I think we all know that when Middleton can go crazy, he goes crazy. Oh, yeah. And I'm even going to make a slight prediction at the towards the end of the game. I think it may be like a one-point game just – over a minute left, and like you call him, the summer league legend himself, P.J. Tucker, is going to hit some crazy corner three to make it a four-point game. The crowd's going to go absolutely bananas, and that is going to be the dagger. So I think the Bucks go – I think the Bucks win. I think it will probably be about a five- to six-point win. It will be close. It will be back and forth for most of the game. But yeah, I uh, I know I've spent pretty much the last few podcasts saying oh, Phoenix this and this and how great they're this and Milwaukee this and that and that they're not doing this. But finally, I am on Milwaukee side. Giannis oh. is going to have a great game. Milton's going to have a great game. P.J. Tucker's in the dagger and it will be 2-2-1. Two, two, yes, it will be 2-1. Former Cavs Cameron Payne for nine games and Jay Crowder for one miserable half season will take their first loss of the 2021 finals. Cameron Payne takes the L, Crowder takes the L. Devin Booker goes back to his favorite novel, the Devin book, and <laughs> reads it and gets some motivation. And then we see for game four, but that's Noah Nightingale. Noah, it has been a pleasure having you on again. I hope you enjoy the fights for the rest of the evening. Absolutely. I appreciate that. Go Conor McGregor. I think Greg Hardy's fighting right now, if I'm not mistaken. I was about to shout out Greg Hardy, but I took that back because he's not a great human being. No, he's not. But yes, I, I do look forward to watching the rest of the fights. We got the Euro final tomorrow, which I'm also looking forward to. And then, of course, 8 p.m. tip-off, I believe. Is that correct? Yeah, 8 p.m. Eastern. Yes, and the rest 8 p.m. tip-off. Yes, Alrighty. early start. So, so the, kid, the kids can stay up and watch it. Absolutely. Looking forward to that. And once again, always a pleasure to come on. And finally, making my Across the Cavs debut. It was a blast. And looking forward to the next one. Yeah, so that is Noah Nightingale. I'm Zach Weiss. I am saying Djokovic over Berrettini in four sets. I'll take McGregor KO in round nine. And I will go Italy 2-1 regulation over England. All three of those it's might be It's coming home. It's coming home. All three of those might be horribly wrong. I don't know. I have no Cavalier connection to make to any of those three things, so I'm just going to wrap it up right there. Zach Weiss, this is Across the Cavs. If you like it, 
subscribe, rate, like, share, sing, regurgitate, and pass it on to the next. So that's it. It's brought to you by the Basketball Podcast Network, and we will see you on Tuesday for game number, Jerron Blossom game, Iman Shumpert, Kevin Porter Jr., and soon to be Evan Mobley. That is the number quattro. In French, it's cat. And in English, it is four.